In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today in this gospel reading, we read about the strong man. And, and, in, and specifically in verse 27, Christ is responding to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are accusing him of casting out demons by the power of Satan, right? And so Christ is rebuking them. And he's saying, how is it possible that I am casting out demons by the power of Satan? Because if that were the case, then he would be divided against himself, okay? And so he gives this analogy um, in verse 27. He says, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, okay? Who is this strong man? The man is Satan, okay? And in order for us to overcome him, right, in order for us to, to plunder him, so to speak, we must first bind him, right? Because you can't overcome, you can't go into someone's house to rob them unless you first bind the person who, who is there in the house, right? You, you, you put him, you know, you tie him down so that he cannot do anything to you and then you can go and take what is his, okay? Um, and so what, what Christ is saying is Christ is the one who binds Satan for us, right? So, so, this is a war between us and Satan, okay? He is trying to bind us and to keep us into slavery. And instead, Christ says that through him, we can bind him and overcome him, okay? And so this war that has been going on from the beginning is about our freedom, right? About our free will to choose, about the choices that we make. Are we making choices based on our liberty or are we making choices based on our slavery, right? And this is the question is, are we binding the strong man or is he binding us? But one of us is going to be is going to be bound because the moment that he is free, the first thing he's going to do is to bind us. OK, or are we binding him through the power of Christ? So the first thing for us to understand is that sin is a form of slavery. OK, and Romans 6 of 16, it says, do you not know? that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. It means what? That we are servants of, of, of whom we obey, that the things that we do are representative of what it is that we obey and what we are slaves to, okay? So for instance, if I am um, following Christ, if I'm obeying Christ's commandments, if I'm praying, if I'm repenting, right, then I am a slave of righteousness, meaning that I am a servant of God, that God is the one whom I serve and I seek to please him, I see him as my master, okay? But if I am, uh, as it says here, a slave of sin leading to death, right, then I have been bound by the strong man. I have been bound by him. Instead of me binding him, I have been bound by him. And so I am a slave to my passions, right? In the world, okay, this idea of freedom is, is freedom to sin. That's what the world means by freedom, freedom to sin. So if, 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 if you tell me, um, well, there's certain things you shouldn't do, okay? There's certain things that are harmful. You shouldn't do them. You should stay away from them. God says you shouldn't do this and this, okay? When the world looks at that, they say, no, you are hindering my freedom, right? You're hindering my freedom. Uh, don't tell me what I should do, okay? But in the eyes of God, Right. When I am uh, taken by my passions, taken by my lusts, 
so that I desire to do what is unlawful, then it is not freedom that I have, but I am actually a slave of my passions. I'm a slave of sin. So while we might think that we are free, while we might think that we have freedom to do certain things, we are actually in bondage to them, right? Maybe we are even in addiction to them. So for instance, if I, you know, I say, I have freedom to drink. I have freedom to be promiscuous. I have freedom to do, you know, all these things. Is it really that I have freedom or am I as a slave to these things? You know, we, we know a lot of times that we do things that are destructive to us and um, we have a difficult time stopping. So am I doing those things because I have freedom to do them or am I doing them because I'm a slave to them? Okay, so that's what this is saying. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slaves, right? You are slaves to that which you do. If, if, I, if I have self-control, then I actually I'm demonstrating that I have true freedom because I am able to control and not be controlled by my passions, okay? In 2 Peter 2, it says, for by whom a person is overcome, by him he also he is brought into bondage, right? So we ask the question of what overcomes us? Whatever, whatever overcomes us, that is what we are in bondage to, okay? So if we look at ourselves, look at our thoughts, look at our emotions, look at our actions, look at our relationships, look at everything that we are, okay? And we ask ourselves this question is, what overcomes me? What is too strong for me? What is the thing that when I stand up against it, I always fall, I always fail, I cannot succeed, I cannot win. The thing that I always, you know, can never overcome, right? That is what I am enslaved to, okay? And that is a lack of freedom, okay? That lack of freedom ensnares us. What bad habits do we have that overwhelm us? Okay, to that we are brought into bondage, and to that is where we should focus on our uh, prayers, on focus on our confessions, focus on our on 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 the power of God working in those areas of our life to grant us true freedom. Okay, because uh, Saint Paul said, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Meaning that the children of God, we who are believers, have been granted by God true liberty. True liberty. You know, again, what looks like it to the world, what looks like control, what looks like limitation, what looks like restriction, what looks like, like something is keeping my freedom away, like, like preventing me from being free. What, what, what looks like that in actuality is true liberty, the liberty of the children of God. That the children of God are the only ones that can be truly free because we are delivered from the bondage of corruption. So every day is a war. Every day we fight. It's this war between um, the strong man who is Satan. Is he going to bind us or are we going to bind him through the power of Christ working in us? Okay. What is the damage of being in bondage? Okay. So we spoke about um, the loss of freedom, right? And here we're not speaking about um, like physical slavery, we're speaking about um, slaveries of addiction, of either substances or activities that we do, right? In loss of freedom, we are no longer masters over the creation, but slaves to it. God made us to be masters, right? He made us to be masters over all creation. He created everything on the world, right? And he put us to have authority over it. He gave the world to be under Adam, 
told Adam, go name the animals, go subdue, subdue the, the earth, like have control and authority and dominion over the earth, right? In every way, okay? So, so I am supposed to be a master over the creation. The creation is supposed to um, serve me, okay? To serve me, meaning that I am in control. But instead, if I become a slave, right, to the creation, this, the creation is actually controlling me, right? The creation is actually causing me to act even in ways that are self-destructive, right? This is the loss of freedom, okay? The damage of bondage. The second thing is obsession, right? And the loss of focus and determination. Sometimes we become obsessed with sin, right? And it causes us to not be able to live normal lives. We get so distracted by sin. We, 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 we become obsessed with a certain sin and destroys us. We can't focus on anything else. We feel defeated by it and it affects our lives because we cannot overcome it, okay? The third uh, damage is a tolerance of sin, right? That, that I begin to feel like this sin that is a slave, that, that is a master over me is actually something good, something that I should tolerate, something that is normal and natural, right? When, when people say, that all of these things that God is saying are restrictive and actually all, all these sins that, that we are committing are actually normal and natural. What we are saying is that our natural state is to be in bondage. Our natural state is to be slaves, right? And then that's the way that it should be. It should be that we are slaves. It should be that we can't, we don't control ourselves and that we have no control uh, over our actions, over our thoughts and so on. Be and, that, and that the creation that God made is actually our, our own masters. That, that's tolerance of sin. Another effect of this bondage is anxiety and depression. That if I am enslaved to sin, then I'm separated from God. And in God is where we find true peace. In God is where we find a true sense of identity and a true sense of purpose and a true sense of joy in him. Not by the daily circumstances of the world, not by whether today was a good day or a bad day, not, not whether I get the things that I desire in the world or how things are going in the world, but my, my peace and my stability come from God. And so if I am close to God, then I can have this stability. But if I'm away from God, maybe because of sin in my life that is unrepented, then, then maybe I fall into this anxiety and depression. Another damage uh, is the loss of time, the loss of relationships, the loss of health, the loss of possessions, the loss of so many things that God wants us to have, right? Up to the loss of our own soul. We lose when we are in bondage. God gives us many gifts and many good things and we can't utilize them. We don't have access to them. We can't benefit from them when we are in slavery, right? Because we cannot overcome the slavery. So what are some... You know, now we're going to speak a little bit about what are some negative responses that we might make uh, to the idea that we are in slavery, that we are in bondage, and then also what are some positive responses that we might make. So the first negative response is ignorance. Many do not recognize that they are in bondage at all. Many do not recognize the harm that can come from sin. You know, in 2 Corinthians 11, St. Paul is telling the Corinthians, for you put up with it. If one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, we put up with it when we are slaves to the creation. We put up with it, right? 
So it's like I'm ignorant to the damaging effects of, of this. I don't even realize that I'm enslaved to anything. I believe that I am free. I believe that I am in control. You know, a lot of times people who are in addiction and we look at them and we know for sure that they are addicted, they will say, oh, I'm completely in control. I can stop doing this anytime I want. I'm choosing to do this, right? Which, 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 is, which is not true. You know, we, we know that a person who, um, you know, who is in some kind of addiction is not in control. Right. But they don't realize they're in, they're an addiction. You know, it's, it's difficult for someone to admit that they're addicted to something. You know, it's easy for us to believe that we are in control when we're actually not. So this is the first negative response to this bondage of sin is that we don't even we're not even aware of it. We're completely ignorant of it. The second is denial. Okay? Um, when Christ confronted the Pharisees um, and told them that they were living in the bondage of sin, they completely denied it. They said what? We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. They believed that because they were the descendants of Abraham, that exempted them from any kind of corruption. That because they were the chosen people of God. And because they were the chosen people of God, that means that they must be perfect in every way. And that God is pleased with them simply because of their ancestry. right? And they denied even the possibility that they could be in bondage. Maybe other people, you know. Maybe somebody else could be in bondage, but we are above this. Like we are believers. We are Christians, right? How is it that we, you know, could be in the bondage of sin? Okay. But we see many examples of the Lord rebuking believers, the Lord rebuking those whom he loves. And actually in Proverbs, it says that a father chastens the son that he loves, right? Chastens him. Why? He chastens him out because he sees him going in the wrong direction, Right. So we, we shouldn't deny, like when, when, when God rebukes us, when I have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in me, that's convicting me that there's something that I'm doing that's wrong, I should listen. I should listen to it and not deny it and not believe that this only happens to other people. It's easy for any of us to be in the bondage of sin. We all have different weaknesses and suffer from them. Okay. Um, so those who deny that this is the state they're in, they can never move past it. They can never grow out of it. Because the first step to improving is to, is to realize that we really do have a problem. Another negative response, a wrong response to being in the bondage of sin is apathy. Okay, just not caring at all. And in the book of Revelation, um, when, when Christ was speaking to the seven churches, he writes to the church of Sardis, which is known as the dead church. He writes to them, be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. <clears throat> what does it mean that strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die? Meaning when we go for such a long time living in apathy, living, um, just not caring, right? Just doing whatever, just living however, like not thinking about tomorrow, not planning ahead, not believing that our life is limited for a time. And just doing and whatever it is that we want to do, that gradually over time we begin to be deadened. We begin to our conscience begins to be seared. We begin to stop caring about the things that are holy and and to, to stop caring about the things that, that are that are of God and not caring about pleasing God in any way. And we just begin to fade and fade and fade gradually over time, like you know, delving deeper and deeper into a life of sin without any kind of repentance not being aware of the love of God, not being aware of God's mercy, not being aware of God's desire for me to return to him, and we become dead, just like this church in Sardis, okay? 
they had forgotten what they had been called for. They had forgotten their identity in Christ, that they were the children of God. And sometimes we forget what we are called for in this life. You know, when, you know, when we try to spend an entire life that revolves around the idea of, I just want to enjoy my time and I just want to have a good life, you know, as we say, and, and that's my purpose. My purpose is that's, that's really all that I want out of life. It's easy for us to become apathetic to the things of God because God calls us to live a life according to the narrow path, right? And that narrow path is a difficult one. It goes against our natural desires of comfort and, 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 and doing things that, you know, like bring us pleasure, right? So, so this narrow path is, is an active, like we must walk it actively intentionally because if we choose not to walk this actively and intentionally, we'll find ourselves on the broad path. Like, like instantly, we'll find ourselves walking in the way of the world. And this is what was happening here in the church of Sardis. They were the dead church because they, they, they no longer moved. They no longer had an identity. They no longer lived according to God's command, but they lived according to the world's way, right? They forgot who they were. They forgot that they were the chosen people of God. And sometimes we forget this and we blend into the world and just live like the rest of the world, complete, completely apathetic, to the fact that God is calling us to a higher calling. The fourth uh, wrong response to the bondage of sin is fear. In Hebrews 2.15, it says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Those who live a life of slavery to sin will always live in fear because everything will be frightening because there is no true stability. There is no true, you know, firm and, and, and outcome to um, this life that we're living. It's all kind of up in the air. Those who do not believe in God, those who are in the slavery of sin, they have no confidence about the end. They have no confidence about tomorrow, right? Because God is not in their picture. God is not in their calculations. God is simply an, a concept that either they've actively rejected or really just don't believe in him and don't live a life of belief in him, right? And so life is a frightening place. The world is a frightening place. Everything is frightening because I don't have this abiding faith that the Lord is with me and that nothing can truly harm me. That even though that I experience pain in the world and suffering in the world and difficult things in the world, that what? Those things are external to me. Those things can just touch the outside, but nothing can touch the inside. Nothing can take me out of the hand of God. Nothing can... Um, take my salvation away from me. And the true thing that really brings us comfort and peace is that our, is that our salvation is, is, is in the hands of the Lord and through his mercy, we have, we have salvation, right? But if I don't have this, if I don't believe that I truly have salvation in the Lord, okay, then everything is frightening, okay? So, so those who truly live as servants of God do not fear death. They do not fear anything. Look at, look at the life of the martyrs, right? Those martyrs, you know, when we read in the Synexarian about those people who decide that they're just going to go and, and to the governor um, and to declare their faith, knowing that simply by declaring their faith that they would be killed. Those are the people who are truly free. Those are the people who truly are not in bondage to anything. They are not in fear. They have nothing that holds them to this world and they're completely living with God and nothing can harm them. Nothing can touch them. There is nothing that can 
that can intimidate them and they are willing to even give up their lives because they know that their lives here in the world is nothing compared to the life that they will have with Christ. And so for them, giving up their life is actually a joyful event. It's not something that's frightening, but it's something that takes them closer to the one they love, who is the master that they serve. So what are some positive responses to this bondage? When I realize that I'm in the bondage of sin, okay, what are some positive steps that I can take? The first is taking swift action, right? When Christ was speaking in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he was speaking about how we should respond whenever we find ourselves falling into sin. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, right? He didn't mean this literally, but what does he mean? He means if, if I find myself beginning to fall into sin, I should take swift action to correct it. Cast away what is sinful, right? Cast away anything that could even lure me into sin. This is why in the church, we are so careful about any activity that could be even potentially leading me to sin, even if it's not sinful in and of itself, right? Because we care so much about this idea, right? Of pluck it out and cast it away from you. E even if something, you know, has the possibility or the potential to bring me into sin, I want to stay away from it. Take, take swift action. When I notice that I'm beginning to fall or I realize that I have some kind of a bondage, I need to take action. I need to stop doing it. I need to seek help. I need to repent and confess my sin. I need to do something. I, I can't just stay in the same state that I'm in and expect that over time it's just going to get better by itself, right? That's not going to happen. Um, number two is confession. In Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy right? For me to admit to myself, first of all, that I have a problem, and then to go and to speak to my father of confession about it and to confess, this is the first real, like, step of healing that I take to begin to overcome the problem. That even though by confession, I haven't actually changed my action, but I have exposed the sin, and any sin that is exposed will eventually be blotted out. Because because the devil seeks to bind us in secret. He wants to bind us in secret. He wants us to carry the burden of sin secretly inside of us, not letting it out, right? Because he knows that when we do that, he is much more powerful, right? He is more powerful when we hide our weaknesses, okay? But the church has set up for us what? The opportunity for us to go to our father of confession, to seek guidance to ask for, for, for forgiveness from God. And so that we, we hear and declare the forgiveness of God from the priest, right? And we hear and see how God is merciful to us. And that even as we continue to struggle with whatever sin, whatever bondage that we might have, we know that it is not a rejection from God when we sin. It is not a rejection that we are struggling and growing. And yet God is still forgiving and accepting and having mercy on us as we go through this process. Right. Because one of the negative responses that we have is just the feeling of rejection. Like I feel like, well, God has rejects me because I am committing a certain sin or I have a certain kind of bondage in my life. And so I'm not even going to try or, or or I feel like like there's nothing that I could do for to be redeemed and God to accept me again. Confession makes us realize that that's not true. Right. That it is always true working uh, with God, admitting our sin to God 
that we have redemption. The third positive response when we find ourselves in the bondage of sin is prayer and fasting, right? When Christ was speaking to the apostles, um, when they asked him, how come they couldn't cast out of a demon out of a certain person? He told them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There is power in prayer and fasting, that if we are really serious about wanting to take positive steps to overcome the bondage of sin in my life, then we can't go about it casually, right? I don't go about it casually. I say, if I really care about this, I'm going to be serious about it, right? Just like anything that we endeavor to do in our lives, when it's something that's really important to us, we are serious about it. You know, we, we take it seriously. We put effort and energy. We make sacrifices, right, in order to achieve, right? So if I'm really serious about, about you know, coming out of some bondage in my life, then I am taking it seriously in my prayer. I'm always remembering. I'm always asking God in my prayer that I'm praying frequently for God to help me overcome this sin and that I'm even fasting beyond even just the fasting, the normal fasting time of the church. Or maybe I'm fasting in a special way, in a special, uh, like with special, um, like way where I'm like even more strict and ascetic in the way that I fast because I'm pleading to God and asking God to, to undo this, these bonds, right? Because we said Christ is the one who will bind the strong man for us, right? I am not strong enough to bind the strong man by myself. I'm not the one who's strong enough to overcome temptation by myself. But I'm asking God to come into the problem, to come into the situation and to fix it for me, to help me to do it because I am unable to do it by myself. The fourth is seeking power from God. Okay, in John 8, it says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay, so often I see this, that people who are serious about overcoming sin, they begin to make a lot of plans and they say, you know, I have a certain timetable, I have a certain plan, I have a certain way that I'm going to do it. And they have a lot of confidence and zeal and energy and believe that if they try hard enough, then they're going to be successful, okay? And while the attitude is a good one, and while they have a sincere desire to overcome sin, the, 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 the false belief here is that I have it within myself in order to overcome this sin. I have it within myself that if I try hard enough, if I'm clever enough, if I'm persistent enough, that I will eventually succeed, okay? But this plan is completely self-focused, right? The idea is, what do I have to do for me to succeed? Okay, but we are ignoring here the idea that true freedom is not something that I achieve by myself. True freedom is granted to me, right? Freedom is granted to me. Like, you could use this as an analogy, like, um, you know, when you have someone who is a slave and they're trying to find a way to escape, right, the slavery. And they try to escape one way and the other and the other and the other, and nothing is working because their master is very strong, is very aware, is very clever, knows that the slave is trying to escape and so finds every way to prevent them from ever escaping, right? So nothing that they do is working, right? And then they give up trying to escape. But here we read, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Christ is the one who binds the strong man. Christ is the one who is going to bind the master to allow the slave to escape. So Christ is the one who grants us freedom. We do not grant ourselves freedom, okay? And this is a very important point 
We seek power from God to be set free. We seek power from God. It is not within myself. It is not power within myself to overcome my weaknesses. It is through the power of God to overcome. It is through the power of God that I receive healing. It is through the power of God. And because it is through the power of God, it is on God's timetable. It is not on mine, right? What do I mean? Some people believe like, okay, like I struggle with a certain sin. If I do certain steps, then, you know, within a certain time frame, I should be over it, okay? Sounds nice, okay? But I cannot control the timetable, right? I cannot control the timetable. One, when is God going to send his grace upon me to allow me to fully overcome a sin, to grow out of some destructive behavior and habit? This is in his timing, right? All I am able to do is offer myself to him and to seek his work and to confess when I fall. And this is what I need for salvation. Salvation is not because I have become perfect. Salvation is not because I have overcome every sin. Salvation is because I am on the road. I'm on the path. I'm walking that path, right? And Christ sees that I'm walking this path, right? And he has mercy on us for the sins that we commit. It is not because I have achieved perfection, right? So I seek power from God continually, and I ask God to grant me this power in order to overcome the slavery of sin. The last point is living in hope, okay? In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Meaning, it is easy for us to lose heart when we find ourselves still trapped in this slavery, when we feel like we are still falling, when we feel like we've been confessing the same sins for years, when we feel like we're not making any positive progress. All of this, it's easy for us to look at the situation and become despondent and to feel depressed that nothing is changing, nothing is moving, okay? Here, Christ tells us to wait, okay? To wait for the power of God to work in us. Why does he not work? This is up to him. Why does he wait? This is because he knows why. We are learning something in this state. You know, if, 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 if the very first instant that we had any negative experience, we asked God to remove it from us and it would suddenly be removed, we would not learn to have mercy on others. You know, we have mercy on others because we have experienced some kind of pain or suffering or, or difficulty or to overcome sin. You know, if, if overcoming sin for me was so simple, then when if I see someone else committing sin, my first instinct was like, well, just 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 figure it out. Just, you know, change. Right. It was easy for me. Just, just do it. Right. I won't be able to relate to, to people. I won't be able to to, to have mercy on people. I, I will just be very judgmental. Right. God has his reasons, and his reasons are sometimes clear, sometimes unclear. Um, but he wants us to continue having hope as we wait for him to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He will do it, but we must be perseverant, persevering, waiting for him to do. And in the meantime, we shouldn't think that we are not benefiting from this process. As we go through this process of confession, 
and prayer and fasting and seeking power from God and, and continually doing action again and again, and then falling again, and then confessing again, and then falling again, and confessing again. This is not a futile process. We are growing in this process. We are learning about ourselves. We're learning about God. We're learning about like the human condition in this process. And we realize God's unfailing love to us because God does not love us because we are good. God loves us despite that we are not good. And the more I realize that I'm not good, the, re the more I realize the depth and the magnitude of my sin. And at the same time, I realize the true love that God has for me. This is, this is the real love. It's easy for us to love someone who is good, but it's very hard to love someone who is not. The more I realize that I am not good, the more I realize that there's that I'm failing, and yet Christ still loves me, and he still covers me, and he still brings me with him to heaven. It is not because I am good. It is because he is good. It is because he is love. And, and this is why we wait on him to do more than we can ask or think according to his timetable, according to his will, we ask it of him. So we believe in God's mercy, in his forgiveness, and in his restoration. So today we spoke about the idea of whether we are binding the strong man or whether we are being bound by him. That any sin is a slavery. We become slaves to that which controls us. And instead of being masters of the creation, the creation becomes a master to us and we become in bondage. We spoke about four negative responses or wrong responses when we are in the bondage of sin. The first one is ignorance, being unaware completely. The second is denial. The third is apathy. And the fourth one we spoke about is fear. The positive responses when we are in the bondage of sin is the first is to take swift action, not to let things linger. Two, confess our sins. Three, pray and fast. Four, seeking power from God. And then finally, living in hope and waiting for God to take action. So may God grant us to reflect on ourselves and to realize and understand if we are in the bondage of sin in whatever way and to respond positively to that, seeking mercy from God and forgiveness, while at the same time realizing that God continues to love us, that God continues to care for us, even as we discover these things about ourselves, because God has known about them all along. Maybe we didn't see it in ourselves. Maybe we didn't realize certain um, sinful patterns in our life, but God has loved us all along, even though he knew about all those sinful patterns that only we are now discovering. So may God grant us um, like a, a right attitude and a right response and to always see his love loving us um, always. And glory be to God forever. Amen.